Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Prime Defective Podcast, a proud member of the soon-to-be-named Network. This week, we watched Season 1, Episode 16 of The Next Generation, When the Bow Breaks, written by Hannah Louise Shearer and Tracy Torme. And Our favorite. Directed by Kim Manners. This story smacked of Tracy Torme. I knew. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I should have realized that Tracy Torme wrote this. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. All right, I'll find a way to jam music in there. <clears throat> music, music. I thought music. you were going to have some kind of a uh, funny. I'm saving. I'm saving oh, myself damn. for the actual show. I didn't want to get straight into it. No, but I thought you'd make some kind of funny quibble oh. about the title. <laughs> <laughs> I wish the bow would break. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to the Prime Defective Podcast. As I said earlier, we are on Season 1, Episode 16 of The Next Generation, When the Bow Breaks. But before we get into that, Jared, Joel on True. Joel on True, Brian. And do you have any news for us this week? I kind of have a question for you first. Mm. Uh, you can cut this out if you want. <laughs> but uh, given your recent things that you just said to me, I'm shocked. Uh, and I know this is, is not giving you a lot of warning, but if you had to name... The all-time best Star Trek villain, movies and TV, who would you say it is? I mean, most people would probably go to Khan. Khan is the easy one, yeah. Okay, now, excluding Khan. Are we speaking of an individual, because like, uh, then you go to the Borg. Mm. But the Borg are Borg. There's no individuals well, other than Hugh. I guess, the yeah, the Borg counts. Yeah. No, I'd have to say individual person. Because then people could be like, well, the Klingons are the best, you know. Like, if I said what was the best race, evil race, then you could say the Borg. Yeah, but the only individual Borg are the Queen and Hugh. Seven of nine. Uh, yeah, and then obviously the cutest. And the kids. And then we don't count. Echeb. <laughs> Jesus. Fucking Echeb. Um, don't forget Echeb. <laughs> what's the... What's the... Uh, That's my other Star Trek podcast. Don't forget Echep. Don't forget Echep. What is the name of the race, uh, the aliens from uh, from Voyager? The ones that could come in and out of our plane of existence? Species 8472? Yes. Yes. Them. That's that's my favorite villain that I could name. <laughs> the ones I name I couldn't remember. Yes. The only reason I bring this up, Ryan, is because uh, you poo-pooed. Gul Dukat, who I think is the best Star Trek villain ever. I would say even better than Khan. My poo-pooing of Gul Dukat is due to my long-standing feud with DS9 and right. never having finished watching it or started watching it or wanting to watch it. I think there's a good case for Gul Dukat to be the best villain. Uh, but I don't want to get into that discussion. I'm just saying. Don't forget Echeb. Don't forget Echeb. You, I'll talk about him on that podcast. <laughs> God, now I have to make it to the podcast. <laughs> Get right on it. Uh, real quickly on news. Uh, first news is a gripe. <clears throat> Second news is is news news and kind of big news. Uh, Brian, mm -hmm. you're not big these days on uh, buying hard copies of movies, right? You're more you're you're stuck in the digital age now. I, I from time to time I'll pick up one. 
But yeah, right. I usually try to rent them or find them by totally legal means. Uh, so never a movie you're like, this is just so good, I have to own it. Like, did you buy, uh, I know this, it's blasphemy to talk Star Wars on a Star Trek podcast, but did you buy Force Awakens on, on Blu-ray? No, we haven't. And and I, the only reason I haven't is because I don't own any of the other ones on Blu-ray. I never, any, I never bought them. Any Star Wars movies on Blu-ray? No. Oh. No. Okay. I, I, I have procured them digitally by legal means. But I don't well, if you want, I can lend you out one of my 15 different copies of each trilogy. <laughs> well, that's the thing is I have like seven different VHS copies, but, you know. No, no. no I, bought, I bought the uh, ultimate six-disc disc, six disc set of the prequels and the originals. Yeah, that's on my, my wish list, but I don't have it. Right. Uh, but I bought oh, – I buy that sh- – mainly I buy those things for – if I'm going to rebuy a movie, it's definitely for the behind-the-scenes stuff. I love behind-the-scenes shit. Yes. Um, and I love director's commentaries quite a bit. I am, yes, I am the asshole that listens to those. I've listened to my and, share. Okay. Yeah. Um, but Paramount loves to screw around with the fans, apparently. So this first news bit, as I said, is more of a bitch. Uh, so if you had bought... Star Trek Into Darkness a couple years ago yes. on Blu-ray, mm-hmm. you received no director's commentary and probably some shit-ass back behind-the-scenes stuff. But if you wanted the good stuff, you had to get it on iTunes, and they put a commentary solely on iTunes. Now, if you bought the copy of the movie, you know how these days they come along with a free digital copy of the movie? Yes. Uh, if you so you could do that, you could get your uh, digital copy through iTunes, and you could listen to the commentary through there. But you could never do it on like your player or your TV. You had to have an Apple TV or do it on your computer or your tablet. And the fans were notably kind of pissed off and was like, "What kind of bullshit is this? Why can't you add this commentary to the hard disk? Mm-hmm. It's we know it's not that hard to do." So Paramount listened to the fans for the new Star Trek Beyond Blu-ray <laughs> and did the same fucking thing. <laughs> and the fans are outraged. Uh, and I'm a little perturbed by this, but I didn't give a shit about Into Darkness because I didn't buy Into Darkness. Um, there's just something about Spock punching somebody in the face over and over again on a hoverboard that I just can't stomach. <laughs> but I kind of like Beyond, and I thought about maybe buying it, and then I found out there was no commentary, and now I'm not interested. I'll just watch a extremely legal means digitally. Right. Like you, Brian. Mm-hmm. By extremely um, until they legal straighten means. Their, yeah. Until they straighten their shit out. Well, so that is that my gripe happen. of the week. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe when uh, the Abrams versus box set comes out, maybe they'll have the commentaries on there, and then I'll get it. When they're, whenever, whatever marketing master is behind putting the commentaries on iTunes only leaves the show. Right. <clears throat> and it looks like that start, the next Star Trek movie is going to happen. And they're bringing in Chris Hemsworth. Yes, I I, I remember them saying they, they they announced that three days prior to Beyond opening in theaters. That well, there was lit. rumblings like, yeah, we we are going to do this. But that what does that mean? I mean, if the movie bombed, the way it was like, I heard there was going to be multiple Ghostbuster movies too. You still <laughs> but it looks like, like that's you, not happening. I was say, you never know. That might happen. Uh, no, that movie actually took a loss. There the there will probably be no more Ghostbusters. Hopefully there's no more. But anyway, uh, yeah. But the big news of the week, Brian, mm-hmm. and obviously I've said this before, most of the news that comes out is always going to be about Star Trek Discovery. Have, they, just coming. have they hired ca- actual cast members for the show yet? 
I'm going to fill you in on something. As of this article, uh, they have hired all cast members except the lead. So, they got time, though. They got till May. So They, they got do, plenty of time. They could do a lot of establishing shots and, and having people in starports slowly watching ships land. Yeah. <laughs> uh, according to this report from Variety, each episode of that show is going to cost around $9 million. And it's going to make all the money back through their paid all-access app. Oh, I'm so pissed about that, but <laughs> what can you do? I mean, here's the thing, and, and they got me on this one, because normally I would go through extreme legal means to get a digital copy, just like Brian does. But you uh, want to support it. Not that I want to su- – well, I want to support it, and two, I want to watch it on my TV. Now, yes – there are ways around that using a extreme legal means of watching it, but I'm also fucking lazy. <laughs> uh, so I probably will not. So I will probably be paying CBS whatever amount of money that they want. And then they're only releasing them once a week, too, right? Yes, I believe so. And we're only getting 10 episodes? That I'm unsure of, but that sounds about right. Well, the news about Discovery this week is that. Brian Fuller is no longer going to be the showrunner. Oh, my fucking God. Are you kidding me? He left today. Today is October 26th. Are you fucking kidding me? Now, hold on. (laughs) Don't get up in arms. He's staying on as executive producer, and he's going to do some, get some writing credits. Let me guess. They're getting Frank Darabont to come in. (laughs) That would be awesome, but no. (laughs) So they could kick him off another show. So what I didn't know about uh, Fuller is that he's also the... uh, Head, head producer on American Gods, which uh, yeah, has come I, out or is coming kind of out. off my radar, but yeah. Yeah, it's not something I'm terribly interested in, but uh, he's really tied up in that, and that could be part of the reason why the show got pushed to May. So they might, they might have said, like, look, dude, you got a lot on your plate, man. He probably really wanted to do this very badly and just, you know, bit off more than he could show. But the new showrunners are going to be Gretchen Berg and Aaron Harberts. They're doing it as a dual role. And they both of them have been long associated with Discovery. They'll still have Fuller's ear, so don't you know, don't worry. It's it's just that Fuller has a not so great track record with keeping shows on television. What else has he done? Well he did Hannibal, which got four seasons, which isn't I guess anything to sneeze at, but Right, but was that his fault that that show got canceled, or did it just have bad viewership? It just it had bad viewership, but that could be said because of the show. Even though it was great, it wasn't. Getting, I was going to say you said you've told me numerous times that that show is awesome. It was awesome, but it didn't get any of the marketing behind it. People did this. Like maybe the you know the the network didn't believe in it, but I'm pretty sure Brian Fuller also did Pushing Daisies, which was another amazing show that had it only has a. You know, a, a cult following. It didn't have. It did not have the numbers right. when it was on. So, I was looking forward to him actually coming on and doing something with Star Trek. And now, I should have realized that he <laughs> that something would happen. He'll drop the ball. Yeah. Hey, maybe they could bring Tracy Torme in. Could be. <laughs> they're waiting. So anyway, waiting for the uh, sliders. Uh, oh, that would be awesome if they did a sliders. Why doesn't Netflix pick that up? That would be easy to do. Because they picked up that other crap, they picked up that other crappy time travel, uh, uh, not time travel, but alternate universe pilot movie show. 
Oh, parallels? Yes, with the building that yeah, traveled yeah, through with, time? With, yeah, with the building. <laughs> Why did they pick a building? It was an interesting concept that just didn't make it. But anyway, yeah. is there any other news, sir? I would say not. I'm sure there is, but I don't know. <laughs> this is all the news that I thought was fit to be told. Gotcha. So let's get on to the meat of the show. Mm. Or in this case, a very anemic serving of meat, I believe. Uh, the baby meat. <laughs> Tender baby meat. Tender baby veal meat. (laughs) Of season one, episode 16 of The Next Generation, titled When the Bow Breaks, starring one Wesley Crusher. That's where I insert the sad trombone noise. Right. Um, So this is a Wesley story, first and foremost, I think. I would disagree with that. Yeah? You don't think it's... I mean, he's in it, but he is not the main focus of this episode. It's but but he's the leader of the children and he is working to to save them and right, help but them. The show is definitely uh, he he's not in it as much as I thought he was going to be. Mm, fine, I'll agree with that. So right. so why don't you give the synopsis because you just watched this episode where I has watched it last week. Okay, the synopsis of this show. <laughs> Is that the Enterprise is out doing Enterprise shit, and uh, they pick up a trail of energy readings that they fo- decided to follow on a whim, a uh, breadcrumb hunt, as Picard calls it. They follow the trail. They wind up no in nowhere. The trail ends, and they don't know what's going on, and they bring Riker up to the bridge to uh, see what's going on, and uh, Picard says that uh, he should be very interested in what's going on because this is the home or the area that's supposed mythic Aldania is. And what is Aldania, Brian? It is a, I don't know, like Atlantis, a, a planet that people have talked about where they are technologically advanced and uh, they have closed themselves off from the rest of everybody else. And it's kind of a legend, but uh, apparently Riker's into this shit. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> suddenly Aldania shows up out of nowhere and they contact the Enterprise, and they are truly more advanced than them. They have cool transport technology and all these other neat gadgets and stuff. And in the end, uh, I'm giving the short synopsis of this. Aldania cannot have children. They steal children from the Enterprise. <laughs> and uh, they say they're going to negotiate and give us cool st- – like us, like, I, like I'm living on the, the royal, Enterprise. The royal us. Humanity. Yeah. Um, they're going to give – the. Uh, the Federation, uh, cool new technologies and information about the galaxy that they don't know about. Of course, Picard doesn't go for this. Um, and then there's all kinds of machinations on how to get the children back. And then they do. And to also find out why they can't have children. Right. But the main focus was to get the children back. And they get them back. Brian. We're done. Did you like this episode? <laughs> we could end right there. See you next week, everybody. <laughs> Brian, did you like this episode? Uh, no, no, and you didn't it, like it. It's like I said earlier, like just I can feel that Tracy Torme had something to do with this episode because it it felt like the same way as like Angel One, like it's these the these these human stories that are not interesting at all, or they're not. I don't know. There there's something about them that like. It had a lot of, I think it had um, possibilities, but it mm-hmm. just fell flat. It, it 
I don't know. It just didn't. It just didn't do it for me. Brian. Yes, sir. I like this episode. Oh come on! And that is why the whole time I've been keeping quiet because I didn't want to ruin it by blurting out, you know, that you and I were going to be opposite ends of this one. I kind of like this episode. I did not hate it. <laughs> well, uh, wait, there wait, was not no... hating it is not the same as liking it. No, I'm telling you, like I was engaged the whole time. Mm. Like, there was never once that I was like, oh, will this end like Angel 1, which <laughs> I was dying for that to end. <laughs> Can an asteroid just hit this entire planet, please? Yeah. Um, but, I, like, this has got, it's got some weak moments in it, but not really. Like, I just was never bored. I kind of liked it. I mean, I could see where the story was going. Um, but, you know, it was like the first one. I like the idea, and we, we didn't bring this up, but that the Aldanians are so dependent on their technology that they become retarded. In, impotent. Not, in, right. in, in more ways in, than well, one. Right, exactly. And uh, I like that because it's kind of like a commentary on, you know, the way we might go. And this was like one of the, I believe, one of the first shows to ever do this. I mean, it's been done a million times since then. Well, and um, not only, not only, like, it, it, this thing has been running and, and keeping them... Like the, their technology has been like in charge of them for so long, they, and they don't know their history about it. They don't know where it even came from. Right. Like they don't know how to fix it or how to work. Like they know how to like ask it questions, but they don't really know anything about it. They know how to operate it, but they don't know how to maintenance it. Right. Or what makes it work. Mm-hmm. And nor do they even question it. Right, because it's always been there. It's been there, and it's always right. helped them. Right. It's fair to mention too that the Aldanians have are centuries old. So. I don't know, like three or four hundred years more advanced than the Federation, I would say. Yes. So I like that aspect of it. Um, I kind of like the whole thing with the kids. Um, just not automatically like freaking out and being like, I want my mommy and just fighting the whole way. I like that some of them were like, I need to get I want to get out of here. And some of them were like, this isn't so bad. You know, like the kid who hated calculus. Right. Well, of course, <laughs> he's being badgered to do calculus. For, for all of his days, and now he gets to do art instead. I would say if there was one flat point in this episode, or I, I should more say a, a missed opportunity, and you can tell this has got the greasy hands of the great bird of the galaxy all over it, uh, is that... <laughs> <laughs> That's my third podcast I did, by the way. Uh, is the... The tension between the the one father and his son, the calculus kid, you know, when the kid's like, oh, uh, or the father was like, the last thing I said to him, I yelled at him before he was taken away from me. It was the last thing I ever said to him. Um, They easily could have made that between Wesley and uh, uh, Dr. Crusher, which probably would have had a little more impact if the two of them had a disagreement and then he disappeared and they had they had fought a little bit. Other than this unknown father and son who none of us could have give a shit about. Um, but I know that Gene doesn't want any infighting amongst the main cast. And that was his whole prime. That was his prime directive. So I could see why Wesley and uh, Dr. Crusher were on good terms when he left. So it kind of it just took a little bit of the gas out of Wesley's story. But, you know, other than, what's that? No, I was going to say, but he I mean, he has. <clears throat> excuse me. He still has a good story that he's he's in charge. He's the most adult child that has stolen. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that story is kind of boring. It's like Wesley is, you know, he Wesley has no arc in this story. 
What if the story was that he, he was fighting with his mother about wanting to do something, and then down there he got to do it? You know, and he and he has well, a struggle. He's being of, told on the Enterprise that he's like, you know, that he's a child, and that he, you know, I mean, yeah, they're giving him a chance now as uh, acting ensign or whatever, but he's not in charge of anything. He's not the idea man, and down here, they're all looking to him for leadership, and he's the one who comes right, up but, with the idea of the strike. But but Wesley never has an internal struggle about staying down there. He automatically wants to leave right away. So say like say there was a scene on the Enterprise before Wesley goes where like he's working on some experiment in the uh, in engineering about I don't know force fields pulse <laughs> yeah p- p- force fields pulse waves or something <laughs> and his mom's like Wesley you gotta go to school and you gotta learn history or something and he's like Mom what am I gotta learn history I'm into all this science shit and she's like Wesley you gotta do that and he's like man you never let me do anything Mom. You know, besides pilot the ship and <laughs> save the day, I don't know, one, one or three or four episodes, every three or four episodes, I get to save the ship. You know, something like that. And then when he's dad on the planet, have him have kind of an internal struggle of being like, wow, they're letting me do exactly what I want. I don't have to deal with all the bullshit. Um, but, you know, then realizing that he was being a dick. <laughs> you, I'm just saying. Your Wesley and Dr. Crusher impressions are spot on, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, know you've, I know you've been working on them. Wesley. Yes, Mom. <laughs> Um, Do your homework. I just was not interested in this story at all. Like, I I see the points you're talking about, and yes, they are. It, it's a that part of it is an interesting story, but it just all it fell flat for me. I just did not. I mean, there was. I do like action. I do like there to be some action, and right. obviously, this was a story with zero to negative action in it. Um, the unless you count the daring. Uh, daylight robbery of children off Enterprise <laughs> by beaming them off, and the Enterprise couldn't do nothing about it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, listen, I'm not opposed to a talkie. Um, you know, they have some good ones. Um, I like it. I, I, I again, another missed opportunity is like you just didn't get real meaty with uh, Picard trying to negotiate. He was just kind of not. It wasn't quite there. It was getting there. Of the Picard I know. But uh, I don't know. I liked the episode. I thought it was cool. I just liked that it wasn't so <clears throat> black and white. You know, we're stealing your children. And then they're like assholes to the children. Like, they stole the children and we're very nice to them. Well, yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, I liked that there was a kind of a C storyline going on there with the one woman who wanted the little redheaded child. <laughs> like, they kind of dropped that right away, though. Do you remember the part I'm talking about? I don't think they dropped it. What do you mean? They yeah, dropped? they did. But she remember they they were they're assigning all the children to the different families. Yeah, right. And they tell the one woman they're like, "Hey, you better go get uh, Rose because her family's waiting for her." And the woman grabs the child. She's like, "No one is taking this child from me. Mm. She's with me." And they're like, "But that's not what it is." She's like, "I don't care. She's mine." And then they never bring it up. I wasn't as invested in it, I guess. Okay, that's what it... Yeah, were you playing Marvel Puzzle Quest while you were No, 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 I watched the entire show. I just was not... Like, I didn't really... I mean, I remember her saying that, but then after that, I was like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> well, I wasn't... I, it's not like I was like, oh, I can't wait till this story is resolved. I was just shocked that it was never brought up again. Hmm. They were like, okay, crazy lady, the child's yours. End of story. <laughs> the best part about this episode for me is that... The the lead Aldean uh, was Deep Throat from X Files. 
Wow, it's funny you say that because I'm looking exactly at my notes right now where I wrote Deep Throat with three exclamation points. <laughs> Do you know what other important part he played in Star Trek, though? He was, I, I'm looking through his, uh, his rap sheet right now on IMDb. I see he was on Voyager. He was on Voyager. But oh, he, he, also was, came... he was fucking Sam Clemens. He was goddamn. Uh... Yep. He was Mark Twain. Yeah. I, I, as soon as I saw it here, I was like, oh, of course. Yes, that makes perfect sense. You know, it's funny, though, is like for years I'd seen him play that part because I've watched that episode multiple times, Time's Arrow. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never knew that it was him playing Samuel Clemens. Um, but once I found out, Anytime I see him in any other role, he has just slight little twinges of what he did in that performance that makes me remind. He does that like kind of noise sometimes. It's very slight, but I'm like, oh, that's right. He played Clemens. I can't imagine him <laughs> making that noise as deep throat, though. No, but he, it's just like a little where he'll be like, huh, you know, like, you know, huh, Mulder. What are you talking about? And I'll be like, oh, there was a little Clemens in there. <laughs> a little Clemens. Uh, so. Some notable uh, pieces of this episode. Right. A child runs into Riker and falls on the ground because Riker stands stoically in place while the child rams into him. Yeah. (laughs) And Riker has a very creepy smile on his face. Again with the creepy smile. And he knows the kid's name. Now, does he know the kid's name because someone was yelling after him? Or does he know the child's name just because he knows the child's name? I believe that and I've seen other episodes where Riker is knows the kids. Knows the kids. He's in charge. I think it's it, Riker's the first officer. It's his job to know everybody on that ship. That's a lot of people, but including you know, the that's children. It. Like it, it seems. Yeah, including like, the children. It seems like a a, a large feat to know. Them I agree all with by you. Face and name. I was also shocked that no one once they told took the children in this one that like nobody was like why on earth would Starfleet let us bring children on these ships? <laughs> well, I mean they're they're families, they're generational ships. Even in the episode uh, prior to this with uh, uh, Admiral Button, the wife was like, "Oh, too bad we didn't have ships like this back when you were when you were, you were coming up. We could have been together and." Yeah, but they're well. They're not generational ships. They don't live well, and die. That's and, true. And, yeah. that's true. <laughs> they could. Um, <laughs> yes, they could. Those ships are floating cities. At least Enterprise D is. Um. So yeah, there was that part. Um. Did you pick up on Riker's horrible ADR? No. When oh, you may see again because it was a while since you've seen this. But when he gets on to the bridge right at the beginning of the episode. And starts explaining the story of Aldea or Aldania or whatever the fuck it is. Uh, It is so bad. His lips are. Well, so when I first watched it, I was like, Jesus Christ, they couldn't even match the audio up with his lip movement. Uh, And you know how you can just tell when a line is ADR? Oh, yeah. Uh, So then I went on to Memory Alpha, you know, like I like to do Mm -hmm. to find cool little things. It turns out that originally scripted, the name for the planet was something else. They don't have it in here what it was. And he was using those lines there, so they had an ADR. So that's why every time he says Aldea, his lips are saying like Squishquash or whatever the planet was called before that. Squishquash. Squishquash. <laughs> yeah. The legend of Squishquash just didn't sound as mythic as Aldea or Aldania. But anyway, I noticed it right away. I was like, oh, God, that's awful. So uh, some other items here. The the child who runs into Riker, uh, who is the child who has been being told that he needs to learn his basic calculus, and he's running from his father. His mm-hmm. father's Dr. Bernard. 
is he a medical doctor? Is he a I would peer so. to Beverly Crusher? Well, you we know, there's more than before? one. There's more than one doctor on a ship of a thousand people. Right, but she's the head. She's the medical chief. Right, she's chief medical officer. But there's other doctors. Right, but we've never seen. Do we ever see any of the other ones? Um, I see we they're mentioned nurses, I guess. Helpers. There's nurse. I I know for a fact that there was other doctors mentioned. Okay. Before and see, I believe. In the, it's I don't know if it's in this season or the next season. There's a Vulcan doctor on there, a ch- and she's a chick. Uh, so it's a female uh, Vulcan doctor, and I believe it's played by Susie Plaxton. I don't know if you know who she is. No, not off the top of my head. She's she's played multiple roles on Star Trek mm. uh, before. Uh, so this child is about ten years old, and he's being told he needs to learn his basic calculus. I thought that was a little young. I just assumed that was in the future <laughs> yes. that they were just smarter than us and like that was like his version of algebra or multiplication tables maybe yeah. to us. Yeah, I guess. What do you what do you learn in a 10? You have a 10-year-old son. What, what kind of math does he learn? Uh, he's learning common core, so that's what that's what calculus was then. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he's uh he's uh, doing long division and I'm sure he's going to be starting learning uh I don't know. I don't fucking know anymore. Um <laughs> So this planet is shielded from everybody. No one has seen it for a millennia. Right. How does no ship just plow through this planet and warp? Well, listen. <laughs> I mean, granted, it's like a needle in a giant haystack to, to, to do that. Right. But I mean, I'm going to... is a... there, right? Yes. Um, but that goes for any cloaked thing in star trek you know well, i, guess I mean granted a ship's sensors, no because proximity sensors wouldn't do it because it's cloaked right well i mean w- the way data explains it it's just a bending of light it's so like yeah, they should they should be able to pick up mass gravitational differences but, but they apparently didn't know it was there until they exposed right themselves. so but that's the same thing with any cloaked ship that they do that's i just assume there's more to it than that that it's able to fall off sensors and blah 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 but maybe since they're so advanced, if a ship, you know, if they're like, oh, my God, we got a ship coming, they can uh, redirect a ship somehow. I mean, they did throw the Enterprise three days away from the ship. That is there. true. They uh, maybe, uh, maybe they can adjust the course of an incoming ship slightly enough to get it out of the way. Yeah. Uh, the camera angles in this episode were very odd during a lot of the scenes. See, I did bridge. not notice that. Huh? I did not notice that. There was a lot of, like, up-the-nose close-up shots from, like... Oh. It, it looked like the cameraman was about two feet shorter than Picard half the time. <laughs> it was just like a couple shots. I did right notice, the and they they love using this shot of uh, from Jordy's side of the ship onto Data. And I'm like, this is the shot that they always use when Data gives the look to Jordy. <laughs> and I was like, the are they going to do it again? They didn't do it this episode. No, uh, no wharf shutdown either. Nope, no wharf shutdown. Uh, there was no nasty week either, I don't think. No. No Chief O'Brien again. No Earl Grey tea yet either. That has not come up yet. Um, No. Not that I can And remember. no Tasha Yar in this episode, as far as I was concerned. I'm starting to see why she left the show. Yeah, she really has not been given many things to she, do recently. I think she had one line of dialogue this whole episode. Well, Troy only had... Did yeah, try out a few, yeah, but she, nothing major. She felt all of the people on the planet before they revealed themselves. 
Yeah, one day we really need to do a study on Troy as well and what the extent of her powers are mm-hmm. <laughs> and distances and all that other shit because that is so up in the air as to what she can do. Uh, but, yeah, they, they were real heavy on the doctor this season. And, real heavy. Like, and then they just switch her out. <laughs> yep. And they're like, well, everybody hates a doctor. Uh, <laughs> Let's bring in a doctor everybody hates. Oh, yeah, right. Let's make sure no one is divided on the hatred of the doctor and bring in a stone-cold bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Troy, when the children are kidnapped and they are trying to negotiate to get them back, she tells the Aldeans, or Al- Aldeas? Oh, I wrote this down. That humans are unusually attached to their offspring. <laughs> I had to back up and replay that again. Because I was like, did she say usually or unusually? <laughs> but it turns out it's unusual yeah, that I we're wrote, attached to our offspring. What is usual amount of attachment for your offspring? <laughs> <laughs> well, the Aldanians it's, it, were shocked that, that we would even care. Yeah. We, again, with the we. What the fuck? Am I living this episode? <laughs> <laughs> that boy was me. Maybe because I keep thinking, like, we as humans. That's what I said That's, earlier. Humanity. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But that, uh, they were shocked that you would ca- that they would care. Well, you can make more. Exactly. <laughs> we can't. You can. You have an advantage over us. Uh, at first, I thought there was a girl who was playing with a tribble, but it just ends up being a stuffed animal of some sort. Yeah, I thought, no, I think that thing was alive. Really? But I I, I thought, thought it was, was a tribble, too, at first, but she definitely has a little cage there that, she's, that she took yeah, it out of. Yeah, but I think it was a, I thought it was like a play, like a cage for a, like a play cage, like for the animal. Like oh, for well, maybe. Live. I think I did love. She gets transported with it, and then later on, she has it on the table, and it's not like it's moving or anything. No, granted, right. it could be some tiny little animal. Well, and I'm going to bring that up at the end of the episode. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Which, 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 in my sense, could have ruined the whole thing for me. <laughs> but uh, I love the mother's reaction when the child playing with the fake thing or the real thing that we don't know disappears. And she just keeps yelling at the spot where the child was. Yes. Yeah. She's like, Rose, Rose, Rose. <laughs> like, look at <laughs> Uh, I wrote down, Wesley's in charge now, and why is the doctor running the meeting? Was Dr. Bernard, like, or no, it was Crusher who was running the, like, in the beginning of whatever the large meeting they were having with the the children's parents. I just got the impression that she was there to say, like, look, one of my children is there too, we're working on this, don't worry, as opposed to, like, Picard being like, you know, it's a well-known fact I hate children. <laughs> and maybe I'll do as much as I can to find your kids. That's all I got for Because he did say, like, you'll be there to represent. Or that was afterwards. That she was supposed to represent the families during the negotiations. Mm. So I just assumed she was there because she was like, look, I'm a mother. Also, with all of the technology that the Aldeans have, the uh, I wrote down here about the scene with the scanning beam. With the completely invasive giant flashlighting <laughs> scanning yes. beam that shines through the entire ship um i just i don't know there was i have uh, a line written down about why did jordy grab his visor there's there must be a scene where something happens and oh oh when they get flung 
When right. they get flung out like three days, Jordy grabs his visor like to look at something. Oh, really? Yeah, it was. Very I, didn't, odd I didn't pick up on he, that. That he grabbed it, and then he's he's the one telling them that they're th- they've been flung out three days from the planet, and they have a three day travel. But like, it was very. Go back and look at that scene. He grabs his visor for no reason. I didn't understand it. Now, obviously, hmm. I'm just writing down things because I was so bored with this episode. I'm like, why is he doing that? <laughs> See, I got wrapped up in it, and I started writing stuff. Mm. All right, stopped. Um, I have nothing else to say about this. Yes, all right. The, the, the only the other custodian, thing- the 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 computer that helps them live and keeps everything going, is basically killing them. Right. At the end. And they find that out in a that that, that one scene where Crusher hands him the medical tricorder. Yes, to and he to Wesley walks around. immediately like opens it palm up like what's this like right in front of the woman mm-hmm. who he was supposed to be hiding it from, <laughs> um, but they find out that they're being have radiation poisoning from that machine and that's why they're sterile but they can fix them in this net. Uh, the comedy ending really was out of place. See, I don't even remember it. So, okay, so they they get everything straightened out. They talk about what's going on, like, oh, the, they're, they now have to face the rest of the world and whatever. This bullshit. All of a sudden, the turbo lift opens up, and Wesley walks out with the little redheaded girl. And Picard immediately turns around, and he's like, what the fuck are you doing on my bridge? Right? And Wesley's got this big shit-eating grin on his face, and he's like, I'm sorry, Captain, but uh, little Rose here wanted to come here and thank you. So she walks over to the front where he's standing. She puts her arms out like she does throughout the whole episode, and um, she gives him, like, a flower or something like that. And, of course, Picard's, like, completely uh, rigid and doesn't know what to do. And, of course, everybody's smiling and giggling at him while he's doing this. And, of course, the music changed to that airy bleep, 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 mm-hmm. you know, whatever the fuck it does. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, Jesus, what the hell is so fucking funny? You know, that, that he's holding or hugging this girl. And then she walks out and he's standing at the holding the flower looking at it. And he's like, Hurf. and he turns around and that little triple thing that the girl had is stuck to his back. <laughs> and he doesn't know it. And he starts walking away and Riker, Troy and Crusher, they all turn around, and look over their shoulders and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> and Picard quickly turns around. And he's like, hmm? and then, then the show ends. <laughs> it was like this big, heavy philosophical episode about the children and technology and not knowing shit and becoming too reliant. And they're like, let's end it on a gag. <laughs> they did it a lot back then. They didn't know how to end it. Yeah, I know. It's like I know. Saturday Night Live sketch where they don't know how to end it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's so painfully obvious in Saturday Night Live when they do that. <laughs> um, so other than that, I guess there's really not much to say about this. Uh, I told you about the ADR. Um... The I told you about Jerry Harden was Samuel Clemens. He also played Neria on Voyagers. Um, on Voyagers or on Voyager? Voy- I'm sorry. The name of the episode is Emanations, but it was on Voyager. Okay. That's why I said, <laughs> what did I say? Voyagenations? <laughs> I'm like, boy, you get around. He's on Voyagers. Um, let's see here. Uh, the one girl, do you remember the girl in the episode who was playing the the musical instrument the that worked through crazy, your mind, yes. right? What did the ugly child that was? Uh, she ended up on Star Trek Insurrection 
And she also played an ensign on Voyager. And I saw a picture of her, and she became very, very pretty. Her name is Mackenzie Westmore. All right. Uh, listen, man, I'm stretching. There ain't a lot on this episode. Uh, also in that group of children's was Will Wheaton's sister and his little brother, Jeremy. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Um, and that's about it. Really not a lot. Um, I mean, unless you want to know about some visual effects that were reused in later episodes. <laughs> nope. You can talk about them then. Uh, I can tell you this because I was paying close attention to this. You know the dome down on uh, Aldania's main area, that big window they had with the purple trees in the background and all that shit? Sure. You, you do not remember that <laughs> no, at I all. Don't. I paid close attention to that because it was like usually when you go down to these planets, you don't get to look out any windows and it was such an odd thing. But they took that window out and put it into the best Star Trek movie ever, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. <laughs> and it was on top of the building in Paradise City on Nimbus 3. Wow. I never would have yeah. seen that. I never would have caught that. <laughs> All right. That's but that's because it. I hate Star Trek. So thank you, everyone. Oh, wait, wait. What? I got one last piece. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> one last thing. Something for you to hate Wesley more. The melody that the girl plays on the instrument, you know, the chick that turned out to be hot. Mm-hmm. It was the same piece of music used for the Traveler's theme. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. <laughs> is that from Memory Alpha, or did you recognize it? Oh, my God. Have not? I don't know any of this shit. This is all from uh, Memory Alpha. I thought maybe you recognized it, dude, because you're a weirdo. No. That, man, that is some deep-cut shit. I could not pick that up. I, be, I picked up, yeah, that Jerry Harden played Samuel Clemens, but the piece of music was a Traveler's theme? <laughs> the haunted I ain't that much of a theme. fucking nerd. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, you're not a nerd at all. No, I said I'm not that much of a fucking oh, nerd. Okay. <laughs> so thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the Prime Defective Podcast. Feel free to check us out at primedefectivepodcast.com or on the Twitter at... Man, I just called it... No, oh, never mind. Did I... you call this Prodigal Sons? I almost said... Yeah, so I think I almost said Prodigal Sons Podcast. But I think I said Prime Defective, but then I went to say Prod Pod. Oh. So thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the Prime Defective Podcast. You can reach us at theprimedefectivepodcast.com or on the Twitter machine at the Prime Def. We are also a proud member of the soon-to-be-named network. You can find us every day over there at soon-to-be-namednetwork.com or soon-to-be-namednetwork.tumblr.com with like-minded shows for everyone to check out and, and uh, download to your RSS machines and listen to us and listen to them and oh have a good time and, and just listen to a lot of podcasts but yeah, uh, unlike paramount we don't make it download us the visual part and then the audio part someplace else oh boy i pray for the day we release a visual part mm. so next week tune in and our next next episode tune in and we will cover season one episode 17 of the next generation titled home soil which i remember zero about me too but i remember nothing about this one and i liked it so it's new to you so until next time, Joe Lontru, Jared. Joe Lontru, Brian. And see you in the Jeffries tubes. Shut up, Wesley. Sick of your shit. Alexandra. Alexandra.